0: We have four days left, and all of a sudden, there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. Democrats were shuddering privately just a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be.
1: Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so
2: much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny.
3: Well, welcome back uh, here to the Ruthless Variety program. It's a high-energy Tuesday episode, and you can't get any higher energy than when you have Governor Chris Christie in oh the Oh, yeah, baby. What's up?
0: Uh, look, it's great to be here in the nation's capital and to ride along with all views. you is really the only reason I
3: came. <laughs> they still, they still <laughs> let you in the city, which is really remarkable.
0: Right on the outskirts, I kind of snuck in, and, and it's all good from there.
3: <laughs> I love it. The last time we saw you was at a blackjack table in Vegas. Yes. We were there for RJC. Uh, which you know you got some rave reviews. It over. was good. Yeah, it went well. They, uh, but you know, it's a cattle call. They have basically anybody and everybody who's talked about as a potential presidential aspirant or, or you know, just sort of like the glitterati of the Republican Party, so to speak. And yeah. we, yeah, we found ourselves in prime position, didn't we, Smug?
1: Yeah, uh, right before President Trump spoke.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so we, you I'm know, sure I love that. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he, he was delighted. <laughs> yeah, to he hear was excited, that. he
1: was very he excited. He
3: tuned in early to watch. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> warms up a crowd, right? Like, the, the, like the Ruthless podcast. That's exactly yeah. right. But I will say, uh, we sat at a blackjack table with you. Not the best of luck. Uh, it was a bloodletting,
0: <laughs> it milk. was an absolute bloodletting. Uh, it was, and and I had my wife and my oldest son at the table. Yes, so there was like fortunes of the Christie family just going going right to Sheldon Adelson's family you know which is exactly what he you know what the Adelson family needs is like more money so it was perfect yeah and then we dragged you into the into the parade yeah and so all I get of you sit got there for an hour and killed. get slaughtered too yeah you got you all got killed you came downstairs for a a brief appearance and I was got, there got for wiped an, out
3: I was there for an hour and I didn't win a hand I mean it was 20 or 21 on the dealer the whole time it was yeah they,
0: they were pulling 21 they were drawing to 21 it was it was really incredible. I and can't
3: help but, but think we're a little bit responsible for this because our producer, McDaniel, we call him the cooler. Uh, because anything that you're involved in, if it's a competition and he shows up, huge problem. The L. Right? I mean, a huge L. He just brings, emanates
1: bad luck. Like uh, <laughs> across the casino, like when we split up and we're playing different games, I'm at a craps table, Duncan's playing blackjack. Like uh, he stands by Duncan, and Duncan loses like a grand in 10 minutes. <laughs> there. He's.
0: He's hovering, and he was hovering at the table.
1: Yeah, he was. he was. He was hovering. And so when I saw him walk over to the craps table, I take my chips and I walk. And then within seconds, the guy threw a seven and everyone on the tables cleared out. It's unbelievable how bad of luck this guy <laughs> Well, could. and just
3: to put a capstone, you'll appreciate this as a Cowboys fan. Uh, that weekend, the Cowboys played the Vikings. I'm you know, a big Vikings yes. fan. I get all tuned in. Uh, I've got my, my uh, full direct TV pack. I'm sitting on the airplane. I'm, I'm ready to go. It's first quarter. And next to me comes in and sits down, McDaniel. Yeah. It's over. The, the rest is three. history. <laughs> Done. The rest is history. So, so we apologize on behalf of the program. No,
0: look, I, you know what? Uh, it's part of the sacrifice I want to make for free speech in our society. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because if you guys had won a lot, maybe you would have stopped doing the podcast. Maybe right? You maybe. would have needed this huge revenue driver that it is <laughs> you would have needed that if you'd want all that money at the, the blackjack table so i think really i was part of contributing to the continued vigorous free speech here and um the continued scrutiny of Jennifer Rubin.
3: (laughs) Chris Christie looking around the corner once again. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, All right. So there's a bunch of news happening here, um, some of which are, you know, I think pretty significant developments. We've talked a lot over the last week about Elon Musk and about the acquisition of Twitter and everything that that has now begun to expose and unravel a little bit. Well, over the weekend, he did the sort of second... Iteration of the Twitter files, mm-hmm. right? Which is, in my view, even more significant than the first. It was, of course, put out on Twitter by Bari Weiss, who it's interesting how he's picking the yep. journalists yeah. to, to come up with this stuff because they're all fantastic writers, as she is, but also like, you know, critical thinking. I mean, significant, understanding the significance of what's coming out and what she basically reported was that there was a number of conservatives, high-profile conservatives, that were essentially throttled on the platform. We talked a lot about, in the first iteration, about their choices of just banning people from the platform and how they came about. and It was mostly conservatives and whether or not Jack, the CEO at the time, knew anything about it. Well, the second one, to me, seems a little bit more significant because we'd talked for years about shadow banning on Twitter. Right. And whether or not conservative voices were essentially throttled on the platform to either not appear in other feeds or just get let less traction, unable to follow, and it was it was dismissed as a conspiracy theory. Yeah. For years.
1: Absolute denial from Twitter where they were saying like, "No, there's no shadow banning at all. This is all just a conspiracy theory." The Wikipedia page for Twitter still has it listed as a conservative conspiracy theory that there's any sort of shadow banning that happened.
0: Right, it's still up, right? So the- wait, wait a second. Are you trying to tell me that someone Wikipedia was wrong? <laughs> what are we? What are we? What are we talking about? This? Authority what are we talking Wikipedia. about? Twitter for? I mean, if Wikipedia is wrong, like every tenth grader's, you know, term paper is screwed because <laughs> that's how they do now. Is like go to Wikipedia. All right, so. Another shocking figure. Uh, another shocking
3: here. development, that's unbelievable. right? So this according to FoxNews.com that did some reporting on it. Twitter CEO Elon Musk confirmed Friday that political candidates in the United States and abroad were subject to shadow banning by Twitter while running for office or seeking re-election. So here's a question uh, for Elon and Barry Weiss were any political candidates either in the U.S. or elsewhere, elsewhere subject to shadow banning while they were actually running for re-election? And this was a, a, a tweet by Miles Chung. And Elon re- replied, yes. Yes, in fact, they were. Now, he didn't name who, but that's a pretty shocking development, isn't it, covered?
0: Well, it's a, n- yes and no, right? I mean, I think everybody has thought over time that that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it became a conspiracy theory, right? Because people actually thought it was going on. Um, but the fact that now there's an there's a venue through the new owner for it to just be verified in a way that's completely indisputable. Right. Like It's not like, oh, someone else has come out and said they think it happened. No, the guy who owns it and has access to all the information went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. was going on. And I think that's what's shocking about it is that, that Musk is actually willing in some ways, to hurt his own brand of yep. the thing he just spent $40 billion on just to get the truth out there. And I, I'm not surprised to hear that that, that that stuff was going on. I mean, I think in some ways as Republicans, we wish maybe that they had shadow banned Trump for a while. <laughs> that might have actually helped us a little bit if they had like kind of pressed down on him a little bit and some of those <laughs> tweets didn't come out. But otherwise, I'm sure there were all kinds of our candidates who you know, were on the receiving end of that. Well,
1: what what... what? To me, kind of I see this overarching theme here of uh, suppression of conservative voices and the labeling of any kind of uh, uh, information or any narrative that's counter to what the left wants to get out there, they say is either misinformation or conspiracy theory. Like, think of the number of things. We opened with that with line after line from Joe Biden saying, oh, no, it's the Russians who who are involved with this laptop story ahead of the election. And, and then, you know, Twitter is among the many organizations that then completely suppress that news they banned the new york post which was started by alexander hamilton from being allowed to tweet about the laptop report on it at all on their platform and all of this they label a conspiracy theory right all of it they label it's like a, uh now it's become a conspiracy theory is actually just a spoiler what, warning yeah, right like, right give it enough time yes
2: and yes. i think i think what what ian uh miles Chong really hit on there i think is an important distinction Right. Because I think it's easier for the mainstream media or for the defenders of Twitter um, to justify, oh, you know, throttling some conservative commentator. Right. Mm -hmm. Or throttling, um, you know, some activist account or something. But when we start talking about candidates for office, Mm -hmm. you enter like a new gray area that I don't think, um, you know, you could really defend.
3: No. Yeah. no, you can't. Well, you can't defend. I mean, the thing is, is you hear, you know, from the left now, they've got this newfound appreciation for private enterprise. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> they right. can do whatever they want. They're a private company. Um, the problem is, is that you can't not disclose what you are doing, right? And in fact, they did the opposite. They said there is no shadow banning, there is no throttling of conservatives on this platform. And so, you know, what you do is you send the message to everybody that this is all a conspiracy, and you ought to keep on the platform. Right. So like your organic marketing of these campaigns were happening on the platform under the understanding that Twitter was being fair about its distribution, when in fact it wasn't. Nope. Right. Well, and shadow
2: banning in and of itself has been a catch all term that people have used over the years to, to discuss ways that content might be throttled on the platform. But in the wake of this, these Twitter files coming out, you're starting to see like You know the journals who want to defend the old Twitter regime, being very specific about what the definition of shadow banning is. Like, oh no, actually, shadow banning is when your content disappears from the platform. And it's like (laughs) no one ever fucking said that. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, because they just kind of want to move the goalposts to defend the old Twitter regime instead of like, you know, you you more here from the article. Just hours earlier, Musk shared the latest release of the Twitter files through journalist Barry Weiss, outlining internal documentation showing how the company would build, quote, blacklists of certain users or tweets, especially from conservative figures. The blacklists include trends blacklist, search blacklist, do not amplify settings, right? So like all of these little internal tools. Which
3: to also leads to the question, amplify settings? If right. there's a do not, Yo, there's got to be there an are. amplify right. setting, yeah, sure, right? Of there Which are. is like, wow. Okay, so now we even go in the reverse. We're, we're by omission. They're now discussing uh-huh. that their platform amplify certain things does not amplify other things meanwhile telling all of us it's just a fair fair platform right so, right
1: so what occurs to me is so twitter was a publicly held company until elon musk bought it uh, i'm wondering if during any of these quarterly shareholder meetings that they have if the question was ever asked is there any kind of shadow banning that's going on over there you would think there and has course, to be and of course you know vijaya would have gotten on the call and said no but you know if she's oh that's and if she's the lawyer That's a problem for her.
0: Well, there are a lot of problems there. Also, you know, it it, it had to have an impact upon revenue. Yeah. um, In terms of how people saw this stuff and how they reacted to it, whether it was advertising or whatever it was. And and you have a duty with a publicly owned company to disclose that.
3: That's fascinating.
0: Right. So I think, you know, the interesting thing will be to see, does the Biden Justice Department, you know, now start to look into this? (laughs) Yeah. Is there an enterprise... What do you think? Thing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> calling me skeptical. But, but I will say this, though. You know, there are ambitious U.S. attorneys out there, you know, who... And, and I thought one of the greatest things about being a U.S. attorney was you really... Most of the time, at least in the Bush administration, we didn't get any direction from the Home Office, and and if you started to get direction, it would be like it was like you were a ship out at sea, <laughs> and the radio. Sorry, the radio's breaking up. You wanted me to do what? <laughs> and you really tried to run the thing like like you were a independent contractor. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
3: which is the way it's supposed to work.
0: By the it way, it is exactly yep. the way it's supposed yep. to work, and and except for the broad policy outlines. Mm-hmm for law enforcement that the president sets and through the attorney general on individual stuff, you're never supposed to hear from main justice. Yeah, And so I think it'll be interesting. Is there a a Democrat U.S. attorney out there who looks at this and sees the possibilities for what it could do for them mm-hmm. in addition to the public? Interesting. And say, like, you know what, I'm going to take Because you could prosecute this anywhere. Yeah. Twitter's everywhere, mm-hmm. so jurisdiction should not be an issue. No. Um, so you know you could be the U.S. attorney, you know, in Missouri, and say, yeah, hey, why not? I'm going to take a crack at this. Yeah, and it'd be interesting then to see if Maine justice tells them, no, you can't.
3: It's that's fascinating, right? Point.
0: That's the kind of stuff we should be watching out for because it's so obvious to me, at least, that this is stuff that, at a minimum. Needs to be investigated in terms of what they were disclosing what they refused to disclose what senior officers officers in the company knew yep mm-hmm. and and what people who were buying the stock right they're spending their money buying the stock their under false pretenses absolutely
1: yeah well to me that's when it really seemed like there could be a case in terms of uh if they were doing their duty to shareholders and who knew when uh in in these tweets of where she's uh, barry weiss is giving out the twitter files she describes this group of kind of like super users at Twitter who were made aware of all these decisions. Where it was just like four or five people at the top like Jack's included on it, but he would uh, it seemed like he was basically checked out. Like he would never reply well, to yeah. any I of mean, the messaging or thinking. So it was that like a uh guy or Yale guy uh, and um, Yoel, um, yeah. and uh, Vijaya who are basically going back and forth um, creating making policy making decisions, here. yeah, making the yeah. decisions. So that group knew that group knew and that group you know is at the top of the organization they're definitely culpable
3: to well what makes this such an interesting story to us and i suspect to you too governor is it's not really about twitter but what in my view the reason like this acquisition was one of the most patriotic things i've seen a billionaire do in a long time is because it exposes this larger trend on the left when it comes to the information flow right And it wasn't, it's not enough for them to try to win the argument. Heaven knows not even in an election that they won could they win the argument. They have to try to prevent the message at all, Mm -hmm. right? And so you see some social media companies adopting sort of far left fact checkers in order to just sort of rip down any content that they disagree with. But this goes a step further. And it actually, to me, ties back to what they've had with the mainstream media now for generations. Which is this filter of information that is not an accurate filter at all. In fact, it's a little 1984 Orwell mm-hmm. style, which is if you just disagree with any part of our progressive view of the world, we'd prefer if nobody else heard it.
0: Well, it's even worse than that, because it, with the mainstream media, you knew as a conservative, as a Republican, that you weren't going to get a fair shake. And you went in there hoping like it wasn't going to be so bad and at least they'd see my face on TV right. and maybe there be something good to come out of this. This is worse because they led you to believe that you had a fair shot mm-hmm. on this platform, that whatever you put up there was going to be read by the people who followed you um, and by the people who followed followers of you and people who got retweeted it or whatever it happened. And now what we're finding out is if they didn't like you and your message, you weren't even getting what they promised you. Right. Forget about getting a break. You weren't even getting the bare minimum of what they promised you. And so I think f- there were a lot of political figures, myself included, who used Twitter pretty aggressively. Yep. And
3: now I'm wondering w- who heard it. Right. No, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Certainly a fraction of what was potential. Sure. And it, it, The thing that I come back to is how about all of the people who use Twitter as a primary amplification of their own businesses, right? This is not just a politician's deal i mean you got people with sub stacks you got people with subscription models on various kinds of journalism podcasts that kind of thing those people were told there is no throttling of, of content whatsoever and so they continued to do their organic marketing on the platform as if it was you got to imagine the financial damages potentially there to people who are now on this list are could be astronomical
0: right well, What are they going to give out the list
3: well, that's the thing.
0: That's the interesting. Now, like if Elon really wants to be patriotic, <laughs> yeah. give out the list. Let's now, the list. he may not because he may not want to be subject to. But if you sue Twitter based upon these allegations and then you demand discovery, it's going to be very interesting to see if he has to then turn over that list. And maybe that's what he's waiting for. Maybe that's it. Because he doesn't want to do it and do something which damages his own investment mm. affirmatively, voluntarily. But if he gets forced to do it by court process, then he's got to do what he's got to do. Yeah.
3: Fascinating. I mean, one thing. Because I I bet
0: the banks and other people who lent him a lot of this money, other investors they brought in, would not be a fan of him (laughs) blowing up the $40 billion asset that their loan is secured by.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, I saw something uh, indicating that Elon had said, for those who had been blacklisted, either in trends or search or amplification or whatever, that they somehow would be contacted, right? And that they would have an opportunity to rectify that. Now, I don't have any idea what that means, but it does suggest that the people, at least, who are in this conversation will find out. I have an idea.
0: Maybe they get a choice. They can either get a Tesla or <laughs> go on one of the next spaceship rides. as the compensation. <laughs> Like, would that be great cross marketing yeah. for
3: Elon? Smug, if you, if you if it turns out, which inevitably I you mean, are,
1: I absolutely would. Would you
3: take the space ride?
1: I hundred percent would. I mean, I over think, the Tesla? I, 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 oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh, he's a, yeah. he's a space guy. Yeah, space uh, guy. Yeah, but real and, and, space. and it'd be real space. That's the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but but the, an example they gave is like they had these screenshots from the internal tools where they showed like Dan Bongino was throttled to all hell in any way possible. They're like, don't amplify don't let him be found at all in the search like all this craziness and then you see he still managed to build such a massive following on Twitter it's incredible like despite all that the, yeah despite all of this the fact that there is a conservative ecosystem on Twitter at all yeah Not at all given all this throttling and all this nonsense and all the shadow banning and permanent banning <laughs> that went on, that there were people with significant followings, like like Bon Gino's a perfect example. The
2: joke, It's incredible. The joke I made on Twitter was, was basically, you know, you see, Twitter doesn't shadow ban because they don't have a giant button that says shadow ban this person. They just had five other buttons that did essentially the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Right?
3: You well, know? <laughs> right. you can tell how this sort of undergirds our larger argument about what the left is trying to do with speech and information flow in this country based on the left's reaction to all of this. There's like this instinctive pull to try to denigrate Elon's motives or, I mean, I'll just read you a couple Vanity Fair. Elon Musk's Twitter files say a lot more about him than Twitter, right? MSNBC. Elon Musk's basic misunderstandings of free speech are a problem for all of us. New York Magazine, the Twitter files is what uh, it claims to expose. It is what it claims to expose. Hilarious. Atlantic, Elon Musk's Twitter files are bait. No, not really. I mean, what we're talking about is a basic bunch of information that was withheld deliberately from the users of the platform.
2: I I, I saw a really great tweet on this that I think summarizes this whole thing um, from Sager uh, and Jetty. Uh, A major Twitter file story arc appears to be the astonishing symbiosis between major tech press figures and former Twitter censors. Any even minor criticism of them is a personal affront to the people who supposedly
0: cover them.
3: Ah, there's the parallel. Yeah. Right? There's the parallel.
0: Yeah. But But this has been going on since, since Monica Lewinsky. I mean, Hillary Clinton really did start the phrase vast right-wing conspiracy yeah and these conspiracy right. theories right. is all really built off of that she sat there that morning looking like death on the today show uh um, you know with her eagle pin on you know and a really bad hairdo um claiming that you know any of this stuff about Monica Lewinsky is just the product of a vast right-wing conspiracy that's been working against her and her husband which by
3: the way had to be the most painful interview of all time can you imagine sitting on the well, today show that, look, couch
0: by the way I think that's a very high bar. <laughs> I mean, she's had some painful interviews. I mean, so I don't know whether that was the most painful. I might be willing to concede to you for today, top five. But I'm not going above top five. I mean. She's, how about her, her post-2016? You know, 2016, you Yeah, know, you like, pick it. Right? right. I mean, just. Every week. Yeah, right. Whatever. I mean, it's she's had some painful ones. But she started this and used it that way. That I don't remember that phrase in my political experience about there being everything being conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. right wing conspiracy until she started it, yeah. huh. um, yep. and 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 started it by like I don't know whether she was you know knowingly lying at that moment or whether he had pulled the wool over her eyes too at that point, <laughs> but either way she started it on something that's kind of like the Hunter Biden laptop, yeah where. It turns out, oh, oh, wow! It's absolutely true. It, it all existed. It, it all it, the, the laptop existed, and yes, he he, he was uh, figuring out what the word uh, what, the <laughs> the word is is yeah um, you know, with Monica Lewinsky. So you can't. I, I think we, we must to be fair give honor today to Hillary Clinton for having started all this. Yeah, that's right. Well, and
3: the Clintons, you know, by virtue of of hiring every paper pusher and fail son in the Democratic Party over the last, now, 25 years to work in permanence in Washington, yeah, D.C. Yeah, I mean,
1: like, they created Move On specifically to well, be just cap. like a left, and cap, to, to be like this, uh, uh, or these organizations, essentially, that they just house people who couldn't be honest journalists right because they just they're partisan activists for the left and they go after anyone who will report anything that hurts the left in any way um and and what's really weird is originally it was supposed to be created to do pushback against any media that hurts the left and then it became a feeder for journalism in right. the left like you mm-hmm. hear so many stories now of like oh this person went from cap to like
3: the information
1: and now they're at the washington post isn't it funny how that weird <laughs> what a nice little
3: <laughs> upgrade well so uh, along these lines though we have a game that we'd like to play with you we oh wow played. this is going to be great and I, I know that you are a bit of a connoisseur of the games we play on the program i do um this one's called demagerno and I, we have not had the ability to play this with you previously. I don't believe so. So this one, this one is great. I played King of the
0: Hill last time when I was here. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs> and we, we have a wonderful intro song. All
1: right.
2: Damn journal. Damn more journal. Damn
0: more journal. Damn more journal. Damn
2: more journal. Damn or journal. It's a little holiday Demo-journo, feel to that. <laughs> Nobody knows.
0: Nobody knows. Maybe like a little, you know, I might add for the for the holidays. Maybe uh-huh. you could do a little extra production on that. Put some bells, some sleigh bells, <laughs> right? Bells, so, yeah. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Like that would be really good. That yeah. is nice. It does yeah. sound a little bit like Carolers. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, It felt a little holiday feelish. You put those jingle bells behind
1: it.
3: I think that's a great oh, suggestion. Be really good. We'll do that. And I think I mean Smug, like you like the length of it, right?
1: Well, we we gotta cut like a stand, <laughs> but I think adding the jingle <laughs> bells you think it's was too really long. Deadly. Oh, one hundred percent. 100%.
3: Well, Michael, maybe you'd like to explain the rules one more time for our listening audience.
2: Uh, sure. For our new listeners and for the governor, uh, I'm going to read four statements, three of which have been made by journalists, one by a Democratic operative. You have to dis- you have to decide who the operative is.
0: Ron Klain.
3: It's <laughs> <laughs> my standard it's, answer. The good news is you don't have to have specificity, just that it's the operative. Operative versus journal. Yeah, yeah
2: or, or like a Democrat activist or whatever. Right. But yeah, so statement number 1 and these are all about the twitter files and you'll start to see a theme much of which we've discussed already okay so we've now had two long threads presented as if they're revealing some big conspiracy that basically just dot 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 confirmed a bunch of things the company had already said publicly and showed Maybe. pretty standard boring trust and safety work <laughs> what a world uh, the old nothing to see here nothing to see <laughs> Okay. All right. Statement number two. So the new Twitter files dramatic episode is the behind the scenes reason why Trump was banned. I could have saved them some time.
3: <laughs> okay. That's it. Hmm. Mm. Uh,
2: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Statement number three. There are some mildly interesting details in here, but presenting it as some new and shocking and secret finding is either ignorant or disingenuous. <laughs> there have been whole news cycles about Twitter shadow bans. I know because I've written about them multiple times. Okay,
3: okay, okay. I mean, that hmm. would suggest a journal. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's trying to do the whole well, like is he, is he head faking? Yeah. Well, or here's real? the thing: you got to watch with the Judge and Jury. They they do a I, number of head little fakes. crossover dribble. You're mm. breaking yeah. your ankles. There you yeah. go.
2: I'm the Allen Iverson. That's it. It's the Iverson. <laughs> yeah. Statement number four. Everything that Barry Weiss is currently, quote, breaking as part of Twitter Files 2 has been reported on and known about for two and a half years.
3: Oh, man. Oh, all right. So one of those is an operative.
2: One of those is an operative.
3: There's an interesting bunch of thematics before. And generally what we do is we have smug Guess and then we sort of talk it through. All right. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to do your secret transmission at this point? Yeah, sure. I'll turn away.
1: Okay. There.
3: Okay. So, uh, look, I think that uh, there's clearly the talking points are out on the nothing to see here. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's wild. Uh, I mean, because you got one, three, and four, which are in the nothing to see there here. Yep. Category. I,
2: I would also like to add that all three of the journalists that I've cited here are all tech journalists. Oh no, they actually cover this industry. Really? Yes.
1: Well, that's the thing is, there's no group of people who hates the tech industry as much as tech reporters. <laughs> like it is completely <laughs> insane. Which is so, but 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 they're
2: defending old Twitter. It's the, it's it's the most fascinating. They're thing.
0: Con, they're
1: they're confused.
0: Yeah. There's there's, <laughs> there's some confusion.
3: Um. All right. So the Trump was banned thing, I could have saved them some time, can go in like one of two directions, right? I mean, either that is just sort of a glib operative statement or, you know, it's somebody who feels like they did report on this. And you right. know, so that it kind of like goes either way. I think that the three, the first one seems the most journalist to me. Mm-hmm. That we've now had two long threads that just basically confirm what we've already known, mm-hmm. uh, Governor. What do you think? Is that
0: I'm, you want my guess? No, no, no. I just does that seem right to you? It does seem right to me. Number one, see, to me, one is, is a journal.
3: That one's got to be a the, journal.
1: The language is just like classic. It's you very Northwestern language. School of Journalism or, or UNC School of Journalism. The great McGill. School. School. There you go, it the great- like, like these people just love to try and sound like they actually got a worthwhile degree. Like, <laughs>
0: The Columbia School of Journalism. There
3: you
1: go. Exactly.
3: <laughs> can you imagine? By the way, can you imagine? Have you gone to Columbia? Have you walked into that university as, as a governor or anything like that? Never. like I was just going to say, like, can you imagine? I wouldn't have
0: come out alive. I don't
3: think we I don't, would. I think no. people like us wouldn't make it out of that.
0: No. no, I couldn't go to Columbia. No,
3: I mean, it's amazing the consistency they have to produce left-wing journalists. I mean, just really rock, rock solid. Um, I don't know the the, the number four again in the nothing to see here everything that she's reported on that feels that to me feels pretty journalisty too so it kind of comes down to me between two and three governor what
0: i got a choice
3: you all right Uh, i'm in i got a choice all right should we just should we just have governor Christie submit his choice
0: yeah two Okay, he thinks it's too. That's a glib operative statement. That okay. feels
3: like that to me too. That's
0: exactly glib. what
1: I thought. I guess too. It's
0: a glib operative statement. The only thing
3: that's giving me hesitation here at all is because it seems too obvious. Well, is because it seems obvious, and the judge and the jury does the written like yeah. he, he, that's in there on purpose.
1: Like it could be uh, uh, one of these activists who have like a Substack,
3: yeah. Who or, or yeah, they like explain the world to us because yeah. there are some operatives that do that. They yeah. like to explain the world to us. Um. For that reason, I gotta do it. I gotta. I gotta pick number three.
2: Number three was a journalist.
1: He did the switcheroo.
2: He switcheroo. switcheroo. (laughs) Number four was a journalist. Nice. And number one was a journalist. Oh I got Got it. it. You guys got it. There we go. So it
3: was the obvious. Listen, you're one and zero now, Cal. Oh, I'm this telling you, I'm
0: killing it. <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> if anybody, I don't know whether to play again or go to the blackjack table <laughs> immediately.
3: <laughs> wow, well, you McDaniel's not standing over your yeah, back. So be, I yeah, it.
0: you're, you're, you're- far away from me. <laughs> you're due.
3: <laughs> well, it's a good transition back into uh, one of the things that this whole Twitter thing has gotten out, and what we led our program with, uh, with the Hunter Biden situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw it today. But in the New York Post, and this was also in the Washington Post, a big story about how Hunter Biden's basically going to go on offense, and then he's he's put this team together, a litigious team, it appears. Yeah, I read that. That is that is now going to basically target a counteroffensive against all the people who've been talking about poor Hunter during this during this time. Which I can't imagine there's any more sympathetic figure on this planet than Hunter Hunter Biden. Um, But it seems like they're actually, look, they got great access at the Washington Post. They sat down with all these people and they went through the entirety of their plan to sue people, to, you know, put a war room together. I mean, does that seem like it's going to work to
0: you? I I just think that, you know, for someone, and and I've worked with a lot of people like this over my time as governor who um, are drug addicts, like the go on offense thing is generally not the way to go. (laughs) Usually the way to go is to say, look, I've made some mistakes in my life and I'm trying to get help and treatment and go and get that help and treatment and put your life back together and then go back to the people that you've offended and hurt and lied to and stolen from over time and not sue them but
3: actually, apologize to. <laughs> yeah, them.
1: yeah I, I think that's like one of the steps. Like it's the like last step of recovery is you go and apologize to the folks. Yeah, it's yeah, one. I mean, of the it steps. makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's yeah. one
3: of the steps that's not being taken. It's here. never but, like
1: put together a war room. Put like together, I don't think that's ever part of the recovery. Yeah, yeah, put together a war room. You know, sue
0: your, sue your, tw- sue the people who are telling the truth about you.
3: Yeah. Well, so but here's the, my underlying question, right? Because the way this is all framed is basically that. Old Hunter knows that he's in the center of the crosshairs here, and he knows, based upon Jamie Comer, who will now, next Congress, lead the committee that is going to do some investigation on him and his dealings with Ukraine and China, what his dad did or did not know about his private dealings, um, that he know, like, this is all going to be coming right at him, and there's basically nothing he can do. So he's either trying to intimidate people away from this, or more likely, in my opinion, I feel like this has got to be born out of the White House or Democratic Party at yeah. some level, doesn't I mean,
1: it? So, so looking at the details of this story, it's it's insane. It's mind-blowing what they're doing. I'm just going to read a little bit from here. It says, Just when you thought our politics could not get more poisonous, a recent meeting in California suggests the past is mere prelude. The Washington Post, which revealed the powwow, described it as a Biden family allies planning uh, an offensive to blunt any investigation into the Biden's alleged multimillion-dollar influence peddling schemes. The California meeting's host was none other than Hunter Biden's friend, agent, and lawyer, Kevin Morris. After Hunter was placed under investigation for, among other possible charges, tax evasion, Morris reportedly paid off as much as $2.8 million in back taxes for Hunter. So,
3: so this dude's got skin yes, in the game. Yeah, so
1: like they're like... Did you see the picture on... of this guy? No, no, In the no. post today?
3: No, I'm going to look at it. Up. Right, you
0: got to look at it because it's like Hunter Biden's <laughs> walking with some woman and he's got a big smile on his face and then they say behind him is his lawyer in the check shirt now you got to look at this this is like this like really loud check shirt and i'm thinking to myself first thing if i'm looking for a lawyer he's got a check shirt out out you gotta see the picture the
1: picture is incredible i,
3: I i'm pulling this up i've looked for everything okay oh no I'm, I'm i
0: it was i believe it was in new york post
1: I I think it's just shocking that like you know they they give the situations like uh, Hunter Biden and, and these allegations of a multi million dollar influence peddling scheme. Also, the lawyer paid two point eight million to uh, Joe Biden's son, like, <laughs> right? Maybe none of this is 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 a, is a coincidence. You know, it seems like there's a lot of people giving millions well, of dollars to this family under well, and investigation. Like, and,
0: and like, why did you owe back taxes?
1: Yeah.
3: Well, right, and $2. is right. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2 a lot to owe in back like, taxes. Like, why
0: didn't you just pay your taxes when they were due? I
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you get busy as 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 a uh, board member. Of well, a he, was, a he was Ukrainian. He was <laughs> busy,
3: all right. He was definitely busy. Unfortunately, his laptop revealed <laughs> a lot about what he was busy with. I mean, that's the thing. How much offense are you going to play here? Like, we had Daryl Issa on the program last year, who unfortunately had the uh, responsibility of going through that sucker. And he said, like, halfway through his staff, was like, just stop. It's like, we can't give you <laughs> anymore. God. This is the perversion. We just can't. It's, like, too much. You know, and, like,
0: I, I just think just evaluating it from a strategic perspective, it's just a bad strategy. Yeah. Like, going on, look, there are a lot of people in the country who, for much of what he did, would feel sympathetic towards him. And say, okay, well, he was a messed up guy. He obviously, had a drug habit and some other awful stuff that happened in his life. They give him the, they some people would give him the benefit of the doubt, but not if you go on offense. No, no. Then you look like, you know, you're obstructing and you're doing all that stuff, and that, people don't have sympathy for well, that. Well,
3: he still's got the tax in- investigation, right? I mean, that hasn't gone away.
0: That's right, and it's still a Republican U.S. Attorney in, in Delaware. He was the only guy who was not fired.
3: Well, probably because of this, right? Yeah, I mean, th-
0: you're right. So you would you would think that you know now. Look, he's from Delaware, so that's Joe Biden's state. So you got to believe if Joe Biden signed off on him at the time, and Joe Biden's personal senator um, from, uh, from <laughs> right, Coons, from, 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 Chris Coons from New Castle <laughs> County. Um, you know that 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 the guy you know who was somewhat friendly towards the the Biden family, but nonetheless, here he is. You know, he's not being kept under any circumstances when the investigation's right.
3: over. So you would think like like let's get to it. I think just from an observer's standpoint, it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. More wow. honor Biden. I mean, this is like if this guy's gonna go take the offensive posture, then we're gonna have to like get more content the, out of him, right? I mean this is can you imagine a bigger nightmare for Joe Biden? The thing that's most interesting in the in the New York
2: Post piece here, um, is how much access the Washington Post was given to mm-hmm. this meeting. Yeah. Because clearly, what they want to do is intimidate the, you know, Jamie Comers of the world out of investigating some of this stuff. Yeah. I and mean, that's what this is. This is an intimidate public intimidation campaign. And the, but the way that it's described in the Washington Post is like laudatory. Yep, it's like right. when Democrats do this, this is good when we pressure <laughs> witnesses and stop investigations from happening and threaten people with defamation lawsuits. If this was the Trump administration, you know, they'd be lighting their hair on fire about, you know, abuse of power.
1: Well, that's even 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 uh, part of it. In here, it says various Democratic groups plan to attack efforts to disclose the Biden's multimillion dollar efforts by attacking Donald Trump's family. It's like there. You go. There it is. Well, there I you mean, go.
3: But also, there's this. You notice in the last couple of weeks how Democratic operatives have now adopted this it, vernacular right. when they're talking about all this. And it's like it's basically just Hunter Biden depicts. Yeah. Right. This right. is like the only thing that we have to concern ourselves with is like a naked Hunter Biden. Like never mind the fact. Of like Tony Bobolinsky's former business partner, and all of the people who were coming out and saying that there was nefarious dealings, and that Joe Biden was potentially read in on it, right? Like that's like the more serious stuff. Well, that's that, the stuff we should be focusing, right. on. right? Because that's the
0: stuff that that you know could compromise the country, um, and could be. Really subject him to serious prison time, right? Yeah, you know, the other stuff is amusing and entertaining. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's not it's not what it's not what we should really care about. What we should really care about is you were on how many different boards, getting paid from how many different foreign countries, right? And I'm sure you registered under FARA at some point. I'm confident it, of that. It, <laughs> I'm sure question. all the eyes were dotted and T's were crossed there. I mean, well, and I want to know more about that meeting,
2: the Burisma meeting with Joe Biden. Because that's in that laptop, too. That's people, the thing. People forget And they don't want to talk
3: about any of that stuff, right? It's right. just like the, the crack pipe and yeah. the naked... Well,
2: picks. well it's, it's just like with the Twitter files stuff uh, on shadow banning was well, like, well, of course, if shadow banning was happening, it was in the terms of service. And it's like, of course, Hunter Biden was influence petting peddling while his dad was vice president. <laughs> like, Of course that happens all the time. <laughs>
3: but, but, but
1: I think you're exactly right, Governor. There is a serious component to this in terms of national security. Where, like, if you want to get a security clearance, they during the process of them, you know, doing an investigation, they're like, do you have any large debts? You know, do yeah. you owe people money that you could be compromised in that way. And the Biden family, if there's one thing that they do, it's be very poor decision makers with their money. Like, I remember even when <laughs> Joe Biden was vice president, like, he had no money and had to borrow money from President Obama. And, like... Very beta. Now his son is, is doing these overseas deals, owes two point, over $2.8 million in back taxes, like... The, the national security risk here is tremendous.
3: Yeah, right. right. I mean, you couldn't get a clearance no. if that was your background, right? No. If you were not president of the United States, no be like, just impossible. It's right. too much leverage. Yep, yeah, you would have to be elected to that clearance. <laughs> <laughs> is that sort of uh, like no. se- selling your 401k for a boat. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> uh,
3: that's a deep cut. I feel like I feel like nobody oh. appreciates that as much as Chris Christie. That's that's amazing. Right. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I don't know, but I just look at this from a political context, like stepping back from the substance, which we're, I think we're, I'm pretty confident we're going to get to now, but from a, from a political context as somebody who's, you know, potentially considering a run for presidency, like how does this factor in with Joe Biden? I mean, he's got so much mismanagement and, and, and terrible approval ratings, the economy. I mean, his, his body of work as president is terrible, but well, is yeah. this, what, where does this factor in, in your view? I mean, look, I think it it
0: factors in on on judgment. It factors Mm -hmm. in to talk about, like, you know, look, we all love our children and all the rest of that. And we, we, as parents, we understand that our children will make mistakes sometimes. But, you know, his judgment here in terms of what he allowed his son to be exposed to, what he encouraged, what he turned away from— are all things that 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 go onto his judgment. And remember, he he's never had a real campaign. Yeah, twenty twenty wasn't a real campaign. <laughs> right. He was basically in the basement in Wilmington for most of the time. Yeah, everyone's why'd come out and do a rally in front of a group of cars where they'd honk horns during the speech. <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> the <laughs> it's the most wild thing. Of it. Yeah. I mean, he he's now this time going to have to go out there in the in the normal kind of day to day campaigning because he at eighty two years old will not have the Rose Garden option. Yeah, because they'll think they're actually like, you know, uh, putting him away. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't show up. So he's now got to show cuz so much of the issue of the campaign will be his age mm-hmm. and his capability to be able to do the job for another 4 years that they have to as an operative, you know, you'd have to put him out there. Yeah, you got to. Whether you wanted to or not. You'd have to. So now he's going to have to go out there and he's going to have to answer questions like this. And so I think the key to this is not to make it the centerpiece of your campaign because there's so much else that, that affects the American people that he's done that really have been bad for the country and for them and that they're living with every day with how much they're paying for things and the prestige of America around the world and what that means. But... You got to look and say when when push comes to shove, there's going to be a moment yeah. where you're going to have an opportunity to say, "Oh, really? <laughs> you're questioning my judgment, right? Right?" And then be that's able a piece to, of it. That's right. Yeah.
3: No, mm. I think that's a really really
0: good point. So let's pick just, your moment though. Yeah, pick your moment.
1: Uh, you're good at that. Yeah. that uh, there's strategic thinking right there. You we know, try. You know when to just do the switcheroo on them. I'm like, oh, really? My <laughs> <laughs> <your> judgment, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were friends. My judgment. <laughs>
3: Didn't we both go to the University of Delaware? What happened? <laughs> I thought we were friends. Yeah. No, I think let's just use it as a way to segue into politics, right? I sure. mean, here we are, a month removed basically from a disappointing election, a week removed from a disappointing Georgia runoff. Uh, what's your What's your evaluation of the state of the Republican Party? It's time for a fight. Yeah. I mean, look, you know,
0: I I read today somewhere, Ronald McDaniel was on something saying, let's not fight, let's all get together. Get together about what? I mean, you know, first got to have the fight about who we are and what we stand for. Mm -hmm. And because this election didn't prove anything about that. Right. You know, and so to me, it's first got to have the public airing out. Of of this is like we're we need the through, Festivus That's exactly what I was the just gonna say. We have to have festivists uh, as a Republican Party. We have to the feats of strength.
1: <laughs>
0: right. We have to have the airing of grievances. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And we have to do that publicly because the public needs to hear this. Yeah. I said this at RJC, like no more whispering. Mm-hmm. Not good enough to go, yeah, no, no, our candidates are really bad. <laughs> oh, look, Donald Trump's really hurting us. Like you can't whisper about it anymore. Say it out loud. Because if we don't, there are plenty of people around the country who are not paying attention like we are.
3: Mm-hmm. And well, and they conflate
0: it. Right. Right. It all comes into one, and, uh, well, whatever, and we'll, you know, we'll just keep on the same road. Well, the same road is a road to ruin. And everybody, look, anybody, you guys knew this. You did the best you could. But you knew that Herschel Walker was, didn't belong being the United States Senate <laughs> candidate. I mean, this has nothing to do with Raphael Warnock. He doesn't belong being one either.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know... Herschel was bad, a bad candidate, not a bad person. Right. You know, a good, I think he's generally a good person.
3: Well, that's what we said last episode. We said this is somebody who's got potentially a large role within the Republican Party. A United States Senator is probably not the best fit. Any place where he's got to go out and make a case
0: for his philosophy, for his approach, no, 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 no. You can be a guy who says, You'll go out there and promote other candidates and use your celebrity to be able to do that. That's what I was
1: saying. He should be like the Georgia Republican Party chairman. That should have been like some celebrity
0: role, but he can't. You know, and we knew on election night when Brian Kemp's winning by seven, eight points and Herschel can't get to fifty percent. Yeah. And Kemp was outspent by two and a half, three to one by Stacey Abrams. And he still won by that much. And Herschel got outspent by about the same percentage. Um, by by Warnick, but why did he lose? He lost because people looked at him and went, "Yeah, no, no, thanks, yeah, no, yeah. thanks." And so the party's got to, we've got to have the argument about how do we win? How do we win again? Uh, yeah, I said um, uh, on on ABC yesterday, you know, Donald Trump won in sixteen. He said, "You're gonna we're gonna win and win and win, and we're gonna do so much winning." that you're going to ask me to stop winning. I didn't know he was talking about the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> and th- th- you know, it's that's, been a long run, no question about it. A, Democrats have done nothing but win since 2016. Mm-hmm. Even they, look, they argue, they would argue that even losing the House at 222 is a win for them. Oh, for sure. Compared because, to
3: expectations, right, absolutely. And it, and
0: it puts them within distance in 2024. Mm-hmm. They have hope in 24. To win, to win the house.
1: To me, I think uh, what you said about Republicans actually have to fight and, and stop whispering. I think is exactly right. And the the example that comes to my mind, uh, and that we've brought up before on the show, is you had this example where committees were saying, Republican committees were saying, we're not going to get involved in primaries. Who was involved in primaries was were Democrats, so Super PACs <laughs> and, and Democrats in the
3: Republican primaries who, in the yeah.
1: Republican primaries who were trying to spend to elect who they felt was the most unelectable candidate in the general election. And they succeeded in doing that. What was it, 13 House races, Duncan? 13 or 18 Houses? Something like that. Yeah. And the Democrats won every single one. Well, they were, undefe- they
3: were undefeated in the places where they had played and were successful at electing who they thought was the least electable Republican.
0: I mean, like just look at Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. I mean, you know, that was one where, you know, and I've, for the last 10, you know, 10, 12 years, I've been evaluating governor's races as as one of the leaders of the RGA. From the minute Doug Mastriano won the primary, it was like, okay, walk yeah. away from Pennsylvania. It's over. And what that did was it led to Oz losing. Yeah, no question. Look, you know, Oz was also not the greatest candidate in the world in my view because he had a bunch of problems that we all know about, including, you know, living in my state for a good part of his life. <laughs> but, but the fact is that if Mastriano would have kept that to a single-digit race don't win just give it to a single digit loss Oz wins yeah Oz mm-hmm. wins Oz is running uphill against a 15 point loss at the top of the ticket right well how the hell do you mm. win that race Well, and then the other thing is and because I
2: I constantly kind of going back and forth on on a lot of this stuff because I you know I, I think like you know Donald Trump animated and like new energy in the rural's for the Republican Party that is undeniable like huge huge margins. margins we would never seen before. But then you look at a place like Pennsylvania with Mastriano and the, and the theory, and I've talked about this previously on the show, the theory was like, oh, yeah, maybe he won't win, but he's going to drive up those margins in the rules and that's going to help Oz. Didn't happen. Nope, didn't happen. Oz did just as well as he did in all of those rural counties. But I also, so the theory of the case doesn't,
3: it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't, but I also wonder, I mean, how much of the fiction that we've been telling ourselves is just that, right? I mean, we've, we've ascribed a political movement— As this sort of new coalition, we talked about it last week, with you know a working class sort of you know union Democrat that all of a sudden started voting Republican. But you know, I mean, look, I was involved in twenty fourteen. You were involved in in your elections. That was happening, right? I mean, in twenty fourteen, we won counties that Republicans hadn't won since Reconstruction, and that was the demographic. That was two years before. You know the the, yeah. the, the the Donald Trump came down the escalator. Yep. So like, how much of this was preordained within the Democratic Party abandoning that demographic entirely and allowing us just the ability to compete? Maybe I
2: it? think I think Trump supercharged it with with the trade stuff. Yeah, I it think, could be. I think I think ne- hitting NAFTA. You know, I mean, these are the people who were most impacted
0: by that.
3: Well, you saw your state. Right, Look, I mean, People don't think about it, but you have a lot of population
0: that, that fits that demographic. There's no doubt. In, in, the, um, in the southern part of our state, we do. And in the central part, in Middlesex County, is kind of where, where Rutgers is, ironically, mm-hmm. in New Brunswick. That whole county is the prototypical Reagan-Democrat county, mm-hmm. where you know every year I'd go to, in the South Plainfield Labor Day Parade. And I remember the first time when I was running for governor going through the South Plainfield Labor Day Parade and we're, we're riding the car down the middle of the street and, and Corzine, which Governor Corzine, who I was running against, was walking in front of our car. And there was a guy, typical like kind of union laborer guy, who came to the uh, event and he was holding up a Corzine Weinberg sign. And he's yelling, hey, governor, governor, governor. And... Um, and uh, course and looks over and waves to him, thank you and he goes he takes the sign he rips it into four pieces and he says you suck I'm voting for him <laughs> <laughs> and my lieutenant that was Labor Day of 09 and I turned to my lieutenant governor candidate who was sitting next to me in the car and I said to her we, we might win this thing <laughs> Yeah. Right. like if that guy actually believes that and is coming out to vote for us yeah we're winning yeah, and he's at the parade and in 09 I knew I won the race When Woodbridge, which is the biggest town in Middlesex County, sixth biggest town in the country, Jim McGreevy's hometown, um, I got the call at like 8.30 saying, you won Woodbridge. I think, well, I won Woodbridge. This, this, This is over. And it's that coalition of people. So I think there's been all that. I do think you're right that Donald Trump, in the 2016 version of Donald Trump, animated those voters and made some of those voters, not in like the New Jersey Middlesex County area, but in the South Jersey farm area that makes us the Garden State. Mm-hmm. Like, he energized those folks, and some folks who probably never voted before right. came out and voted for him. The problem at, at, when we get to twenty twenty two is the twenty twenty two version of Donald Trump doesn't animate those voters because he's not talking about any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's talking about stolen elections and rigged elections and all the rest of that. Well, and they're t- like, to well, back to it? that to that point, I went back and I watched
2: large parts of go, go to youtube this is fun to do every once in a while but large parts of that first debate the first debate when trump was on stage and his argument was very tight like it was it was i am a businessman these politicians have failed you i've had success here here and here they're going to attack all of my success but i want it i want that success for the rest of the country it's a very tight message yep it was a very tight message yep. mm-hmm. I don't know Donald Trump's twenty twenty four message is gonna be able to be anything like that.
3: Well, it's tough when you got a record. Right?
0: Well, he's got a record, but but even more than that, it's him. He can't he can't help himself. <laughs> like he look, everybody who thinks that he thinks he didn't lose in twenty twenty is out of their mind. He knows he lost, and that's why he's doing this, because he can't live with the idea hmm. that he lost to Joe Biden. Hmm. And I don't blame him. Yeah, it's a tough Because nobody ever lost nationally to Joe Biden before, right? <laughs> right. Every time he ran, he, he didn't get out of the primaries. And, you know, he asked me in, in May of 18, he invited Mary Pat and I to dinner, just the four of us, he and Melania. And in May of 18, he said to me, I trust you, tell me who my toughest opponent in 2020 will be. And I said, Joe Biden. And he burst out laughing. Like laughing out loud, he goes, that senile old man, you think that senile old man's going to beat me? He could never, ever, ever beat me. And I said to him, Mr. President, let me ask you a question. You ever run for president of the student council? And he said, no. And I go, I did. I said, you know who wins for president of the student council? He said, no. And I said, the person with the most friends and the least number of enemies. I said, and Joe Biden is going to turn this, he's the only Democrat who could de-issue this race and turn it into a student council president race about who's the most likable who has the most who's the most unlikable and who has the most enemies i said that's what he will try to do he will not argue you on the issues he will just say you're not a good person you're not likable and he is yeah he's just old uncle joe
3: perfect i said when
0: he does that you let him do that to you you're gonna lose well it's it's
2: also easy to do in the entire media as an echo chamber for that argument right remember the entire general election of 2020 was oh Poor Joe, he just he got, felt called back to public service to heal the heart of our nation. Right, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was that was the entire thing. The whole media right. echoed it. The entire general election. It, while it, he sat in a fucking basement, and right. the entire it, it, Trump administration it, 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 was right.
1: investigations from the FBI saying this guy's a Russian agent. That right. Oh well, conveniently they find out. Oh, it's all not true now. Right. Well,
0: you're right that that makes it easier, but not if you're running a campaign. Yeah. That's about issues, and it, and if Trump had said, this guy. Is a socialist. He's the same as Bernie Sanders. There's no difference here, except Bernie actually tells you his policies will be the exact same thing. Do you want policies? He started to go through it and go through. When we were in debate prep with him, we were begging him to stop talking about how the election was going to be rigged and all the rest of this stuff and start talking about, listen to just what he's promised. He said no more fossil fuels. <laughs> right. He said it, right? He do, and he meant he, it. Do you all think that like you're going to be riding like a a solar powered car <laughs> in the next four years? If you don't, then don't vote for Joe Biden. But Trump refused to do that. He wanted to have a street fight on this stuff, and it was never going to work against a guy who's not seen as a street fighter. Yeah. So in that first debate in 2020, you know when he went out there and just interrupted him 79 times in 90 minutes and just was, you know, pounding Biden, Biden looked like a sympathetic figure to a lot of people. Yeah, Mm. That's the student council president election. Oh, I'm not voting for the bully. I mean, he's not the smartest guy in the world, but he's a nice guy. Right. That was the argument.
3: How much much harm can he do? Right, right,
0: look at him. Yeah. It's all, Joe, he's all right. Yeah. You know, at least we won't get all the tweets and all the rest of the stuff. I mean, it became a personality race completely. Yeah. And if you're Donald Trump, you can't win a personality race in the places you were talking about. Like suburban Philadelphia? Yeah. You can't. You, he lost by 86,000 votes more to Biden than he lost to Hillary. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's substantial. And that's personality driven. It's
1: not issue driven. Do you
2: think we really can have an issue driven election anymore in this country?
1: Oh, I definitely do. You do? I do. Because I feel like I th- the reason Trump smoked Hillary is this kind of the same thing. of Like, no one liked her. No one liked him. Well,
0: that's true. They were the two least likable presidential candidates <laughs> in American history. I mean, they just were. You know, people went, eh. but what Trump got was the benefit of that at the that time. It goes to what you were saying, Josh. No record. He got the benefit of the because he had no record, and they went like, how bad could it be?
3: Yeah.
0: Let's give him a shot.
3: We know what, she, what her record is.
0: We know what she'll do. Yeah. We don't quite know what he'll do, and the stuff he says, we kind of like. He's been successful. He's made a lot of money. He's tough. Mm-hmm. He's not going to take any crap from anybody. Like all that, those themes were like stuff that the country wanted, especially after Obama, who they saw as kind of weak and a little timid, and you know the kind of guy who you know was a little bit too laid back and too professorial. Mm-hmm. So they wanted that, and they saw that in Trump, and, and they, they just didn't like her. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think Obama ended Hillary Clinton's political career for all practical purposes in '08 during that debate when he turned to her and said, You're likeable enough, yeah, Hillary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's God. one of the greatest insults in <laughs> in debate history, right? Just dagger. Because he barely even looked at her. Right. Like his body language was the disdain. Yeah. He just like kind of half turned to her, like continued to jot notes down. Like, oh no, 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 you're likable enough, Hillary. Like, <laughs> like I mean It, it did kind of brand her. Well it did. And I'm about to say it ended her career. Yeah. I think she had no chance to win anything else of any of any magnitude. Uh, if after that, because everyone looked at it and went, <laughs> likeable enough.
3: <laughs> so, so how much as we fast forward into what a Republican presidential primary looks like now, obviously with Donald Trump being the only declared candidate at this stage, how much of it is sort of will follow the last six years and, and be you know more or less a referendum on Trump? And how much do you think we'll have – you know what I assume to be a larger field than, than many would imagine, um, and other people trying to distinguish themselves with separation and, and talking about the things that you were suggesting. You got to you got to have the conversation. You can't whisper it any longer.
0: I I don't I don't know what the race will look like, but this much I know for sure: it won't look like the last race. Yeah, because it never does. Never does. It never does, and we fall in that trap every time. Who's lane and the, lanes aren't even going to matter anymore in my view. Hmm. now i don't know what will replace that but i know that that's over yeah and it, that people I, don't look at it that way i think no it's
2: just vibes it's what vibes you give off to the voters I, I sincerely do and that's why i ask. like i i think presidential elections really are all personality now i mean i agree that we should run on solid issues and those are going to matter to a certain cohort maybe general elections election. are
3: different but i think your 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 view in terms of the primary is probably right because i mean in all honesty other than trade and you know maybe a handful of other things that Trump has taken a, a little different position than an off than some other conservatives. There's not a ton of difference from a policy perspective, right? Most conservatives are relatively. We're,
0: we're in the, we're, look we're we're in we're in the same neighborhood with each other, mm-hmm. and there'll be distinctions based upon your own personality again, yeah. which informs what you want to emphasize and what you feel comfortable emphasizing. That'll make it a little bit different. But I, I I think what I'm talking about in terms of can there be about issues again is a general election. Yeah. I think a general election can be yeah, about I agree issues with that. again. I think a primary is very difficult. And I think you're right about vibe in a primary. It's like but but you know, like I think we gotta be really careful about figuring out like well what's it gonna look like. I'm still waiting for President Scott Walker. Yeah, I'm still waiting right. for President Jeb Bush. Right. Like like everybody who knew knew Jeb was gonna be the nominee. <laughs> Absolutely knew it. Right. And not only talked about it, but wrote checks that reflected the fact that they were absolutely confident that they were going to be the next ambassador to Luxembourg right. <laughs> if they wrote this check. Right? right. Right. Like that was it. And they knew it and it had worked with the brother and it had worked with the father. And so it's gonna work again. And it wasn't even close, right? right. So so I, I don't that's why all the the kind of, you know, flavor of the month, soup of the day crowd. I'm still, you know, I'm still waiting for President Rick Perry. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, like like, on paper,
2: on paper, he was like how you would dream up a Republican presidential candidate. Rick Perry. You know, the most successful state in the union as far as the economy was going. He'd been the governor for what, you know,
0: 11 years. 11 years
2: or something. He
1: shot shot a coyote while he was out running. Yeah. (laughs) That's a Republican qualifier. And on
2: top of that, on on top of that, great looking guy, great looking guy. And he put on the glasses. Right. Remember? Put on the glasses to look smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and then he couldn't remember the third thing right. on the debate stage and it was suddenly poof
0: all over. I, I want to tell you, I was in the I was in the audience that night when he couldn't remember the third thing. Yeah. And I thought that it was one of the most character revealing moments of that of that entire cycle for two people. For Mitt Romney and for Rick Perry. For Mitt Romney, here's his main rival, the one that everyone's writing about that is going to be the one that beats the stiff Mitt Romney, Rick Perry. And when Rick Perry is drowning, drowning in public. <laughs> Romney, Mitt Romney him, right? throws up a, a yeah. life yeah. yeah. The EPA, right? <laughs> so that tells you about Romney's character. That say whatever you want about Mitt Romney. But he his humanity came out and overwhelmed his his political you know instincts should have been. The your your number one opponent's drowning? Good. Let me see when he actually hits the bottom of the <laughs> lake. And, and then, then I'll look sad. No. no, Mitt Romney throws him the life preserver. But then Rick Perry. Now, if I had been standing up there and he said EPA and I couldn't remember the third one, I would have went, that's right, that's EPA. It. Thank you, Mitt. Let me tell you why the EPA is so bad. And then if I really didn't want to eliminate the EPA, I would have cleaned it up later. Not Rick Perry. <laughs> he knew it wasn't the EPA. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> but I still can't remember. So I get to go and say, oops, and end my career. <laughs> Right. It was two incredible character-revealing moments where you're like, you're sitting in the audience as a politician, going, "What are these two guys doing? What are they doing? This is absolutely ridiculous. Pure pain, a complete pain. I mean, the most for Rick Perry because you knew after that it was over. It was, it was over because the public had concerns about his intellect. Yeah, going into it." And then when you say you're going to eliminate three departments and you can't remember which three, <laughs> that pretty much confirms for many people what they were already worried about. But for Romney, like that moment was like, for some of us, we we're like, oh, man, you got to stick the knife. He really thing. doesn't have the killer instinct. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, how's he going to go kill Barack Obama now? Yeah. That's, to me, that's the moment
1: to. when you want to put their head underwater. Yeah.
0: But that's right. Let him go. You, guess what? He didn't have to do anything. Yeah, I could just let, stay let Like, look, that's a tough decision. Sometimes take my word for it as to whether you want to like grab somebody's top of the head and, and, and hold it I down. Feel like you the have the a water. clear record on that. I know. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> right? Doesn't mean it wasn't a tough decision. <laughs> you agonized deeply. But for Mitt Romney, he didn't have to do anything. The guy was drowning. It was clear he didn't know how to swim. He didn't have swimmies on his arms. Just he like, had nothing. It, it was just like just stand out of the way. Just stand and watch it happen. And you don't have to do anything. And you can even say after the debate, Oh, it was terrible. I feel so bad. I'm sure Rick knows what the third one is. I'm sure he I just I'm sure he couldn't remember. <laughs> so, um so you know, I think that and that's why we don't know anything about the race that's coming up. Right. Or and we don't know anything about the people who are rumored to be running. Hmm.
1: You just don't. Well, that's my question for you: is is, is looking forward? Is yes, there's already names being whispered. You you may be considering running. Who do you who would you say is a strong contender? Who do you think would be a surprise candidate to run? Who do you think is overrated? Who do you think is underrated? How yeah, who's bad?
3: the meltdown? Who's the who's the meltdown <laughs> candidate? Because this is our this is our favorite talking shit with Chris Christie segment that we've yeah. now developed. <laughs> And, yeah. and I think that's a perfect segue. Like that's a good way to ballpark this.
0: Yeah.
2: Well. Also. Also, we might get some of these people to actually announce. You know, <laughs> right, right. if they hear you
0: talking shit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> look. I think who would um, uh, who would be the biggest surprise candidate? Like I'd be surprised if Chris Nunu ran. Um, he could. I'd be surprised if he did uh, for a whole variety of reasons. I think he'd be a surprise candidate. I, I think in the end, I'd be surprised. You know, he'll 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 you know, enjoy being talked about, but in the end I don't I, I my sense is I don't think he runs, but you know, who knows. Um, what were the other questions? You I know you want to melt that one. We'll hang on that for we'll a second. We'll hang on that one? Yeah, for a second. So who's
3: it like who looks pretty formidable at this stage? Like who draws a good contrast with Trump who would be in that conversation?
0: Look, I, I think that if you're if you're Yunkin, right, you have the outlines of somebody who could be a good contrast. Um because of the race he ran in Virginia and 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 kind of Glenn's background so I think he could be a good contrast type of candidate but again then the other side of that coin is he's had one race in his entire life Mm -hmm. in Virginia and and while it was a high profile race because New Jersey and Virginia are always high profile because they're the only ones going on at the time Mm -hmm. um, you don't know like when you get on that stage are you going to remember the three departments? <laughs> right. are, are you going to look like Dan Quayle when he says, you know, you compare yourself to John Kennedy? You know, right. and Lloyd Benson just ends you, yeah. like, right? And you look like you were ended. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, are you going to have those moments? I, so I think Youngkin is a guy who I, I like Glenn a lot. I think he's got some real potential. I think he ran a really disciplined race in um in in 20 uh 2021 and that could give him a possibility of being able to replicate that mm-hmm. so i think he's an interesting uh an interesting person um to look at i don't think we know who the overrated one is but what i would say to you is we always got to be you know we, we talked about a whole bunch of people right we talked about rick Perry, and we talked about jeb and we talked about um about scott um and you know just always be careful of the soup of the day mm. It's hard to remain hot that long. Remember, soup yo know, gets that little container, <laughs> and they put it in a bag for you, and then you got. But but if but if it takes you three years to get home, <laughs> it's likely that soup's going to get cold, right? Somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way, the yeah. soup's going to get cold, and so I think you you got to you know, uh, you look at all of the front runners. You know, President John Connolly. You know, let, let's just start going through them. The ones who were outright, absolute frontrunners who wound up not yeah. getting there. And I think the reason for that is that these campaigns are long and they're hard, and you're being watched every day in a way for most people that they've never been watched before. You know, for us, when we ran the last time, I never felt that way because I'm in the New York and Philadelphia media market every day. So every day I got the New York Times in my gaggle. I got the Philly Inquirer in my gaggle. I got the New York Post, the Daily News. They're in the gaggle every day, and then all of the national reporters from New York that are based in New York. Mm-hmm. If you start making some noise, they all come over. Yeah, and so you get used to that kind of thing. I think a lot of the candidates, who, like Scott Walker, would be, I think, a great example of that. You know, all due respect to the you know Madison Press Corps and the <laughs> Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You know,
3: it maybe it, wasn't holding his feet to the fire. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's
0: like he had some real tests there that were issue based tests. Right but going out there and having the, the cameras in your face every day and having every word you say being recorded well that but that that being said he did survive that recall and that was pretty high profile at the time he right? did he did re, he, but again it was on a playing field that he was extraordinarily comfortable with yeah mm-hmm. he's a wisconsin guy it was on his issues that right. he believed very strongly in, and the whole thing was about the, the 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 stuff with the teachers, right? Right. So he was very very comfortable in that. When you expand that playing field, yeah, to every issue right. that you have to be conversant with to be a president of the United States, or at least are supposed to be conversant with to be a president, and you're getting tested on that. It becomes a lot more nerve wracking, yeah, um, in those moments.
2: Well, this this it sounds like a a a eloquent. Eloquent sub subtweet of of Governor Ron DeSantis.
3: Oh. <laughs> that's what I think. An eloquent that subtweet. That's just that's a
2: subtweet. I, I don't even know what a subtweet is. Uh, it means like you're referencing someone but not saying their name directly. Oh, oh have
0: you ever known me to do that?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's terrible well, <laughs> to be accused of that. But he's hot, no question about well, it. Oh well, look. If you win, I won re-election by twenty-two points in two thousand thirteen,
1: which is still the most insane number. Yeah. New Jersey by 22.
2: yeah,
0: And Ronnie D. just won by
1: by
2: 20. 20. And I mean, I think
0: to your point. But I'm saying, so if you win by those kind of numbers, you're obviously going to be hot. Now, winning by 20 in Florida and winning by 20 in New Jersey as a Republican are two very different things. You know, this Florida is a much different state, even than it was four years ago. Registration, and he can take some credit for that. But there are more registered Republicans now than registered Democrats in Florida. It's a much redder state. You don't have any statewide Democratic elected folks. Um, Your two United States senators are both Republican. You haven't elected a Democratic governor
3: since 1998
0: Hmm. in in Florida. I mean, it's been a long time.
3: But if you look just just on the the principle of kind of catapulting yourself in while you're hot— because that's obviously that matters, right? From a fundraising perspective an organizing perspective, whatever. If you look back, winning by twenty-two in New Jersey, do you wish you to just turned around and run for president? But that right was away?
0: thirteen. I didn't, I couldn't. Yeah. Unless we we're going to schedule a new a new date for the election. No,
3: I mean you're right. You, you have know? the off year issue. No yeah. question about and, it.
0: And look, you know, most of the time people bring that up in the context of 2012. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, I have
3: never... Well, you said you
0: weren't ready. You didn't, you didn't, I wasn't ready. And, and and also, people so quickly go over the politics of that. Oh, of course he would have beaten Romney in the primary. And of course he would have beaten Obama. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, layup. <laughs> that little, that little Total thing? Layup. Yeah, what's the big deal? <laughs> you, you know, it would have been easy. You know, Mitt Romney spending as much money as he wanted to spend in a primary and having run once before. Okay, that's a layup easy. Um, and and then Barack Obama, the first African American president in the history of the country, um, that would have been a layup too. Sure, yeah, right. Sure. I mean, so like, I, I love the way people look back on that and go like, "Oh, well, he missed his moment because you know it's so obvious that he would have won." Like, you know, I remember having a donor say to me, "You have to do this, and if you do, I will be with you every step of the way." And I said, "No, you won't." <laughs> I said, "In January." I will be freezing in <laughs> Iowa, and you will be at your house in Palm Beach. <laughs> yes. No. So don't tell me you'll be with me every step of the way, and and I, you know, that's why whether you feel ready or not matters because you will be alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Iowa, you will be alone in New Hampshire. Questioning your life's decisions, and you, and, and but when the alarm goes off at five a.m. and you're going to campaign outside some restaurant. In Iowa or a factory gate, and it's 14 below air temp. <laughs> yeah. If you wake up and your first thought is, I have no chance, <laughs> it makes it a lot harder to walk that 15 feet from the bed to the shower.
3: Oh, I can only totally imagine. You've
0: got to get up and say, Today I'm one day closer.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a mentality.
0: It has to be. And you've got to really believe it. So if you're sitting there as me and you're saying, I, oh, you know, I'm not ready, you know, Think about when people were urging me to do this. It was September of of twenty eleven. I had been governor for about eighteen months. We had no national organization. We had no fundraising structure. We had no organization in any particular state. Yeah. This is September. Yeah. And you go, of course. You know, in four months is the Iowa caucus. Of course, you could put all that together in four months. I mean. So I look back on it, and even when I analyze it politically, and I take my own personal feelings out of it about the fact that I wasn't ready. Could I have won? Maybe. But the idea that people talk about it now is if, oh, yeah, that was definitely it. Like, come on, stop. Yeah, and
3: circumstances change. But, I mean, if you're looking at this from, like, Desantis's point of view, as somebody who came out of an election, you shouldn't win by more than three if you're having a good day, and you won by 22 – Uh, For him, in a state that's always decided by five or less, and all of a sudden he's winning by 20, do you want to run now or do you run the risk of going in through a legislative session where you're inevitably going to get Florida mud on your tires or you're going to deal with state politics that may change the glow that you're currently under? Or is it just all about whether you're personally equipped to do it? Well,
0: I think... It's not all about that, but it better be primarily about that yeah. because in the end, you got to perform like no one gets a free pass. No. Yeah. No one gets a free pass. So, okay, look, we're going to assume that you would have done very well in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. We'll see you in Nevada. No, like, no, 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 no. You got to do all of it. And so you better be ready personally, and you better be ready to put up with all of that. Now, if you add to that some real momentum, that of course, it's a plus. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a factor. You know, look, we came out of 13 having won by 22 points and then turned around in 14 and, you know, we got up to 31 Republican governors when I was chairman. I, you know, I felt pretty good at that point. But, you know, and I felt, look, I've always felt, and I've said this before, I think I'm the nominee if Donald Trump doesn't run. Hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I think the way we perform, the endorsements we got, you know, from the Manchester Union leader, from the Boston Herald, like, we were running a good campaign. Like I don't have any second thoughts. But a guy who was a 100% name ID TV celebrity yeah. came down the escalator and was blunt and direct and 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 tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. Thank you. Right. Good night. Right. You know. Right. And so that that so timing and those things do matter. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't. And I don't envy DeSantis or anybody else for having to make the decision. Everybody thinks it's easy and obvious. But you guys have worked campaigns and you've watched candidates. And for the ones who those kind of decisions are easy and obvious, they're never going to be winners. Mm -hmm. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Like if you just go, oh, yeah, of course, i got to do this. No, you don't. And you better really think it through. Mm -hmm. Really think it through before you do it. It may lead him or any of the other folks that we're talking about to decide yes. But you better think it through because – there are going to be moments when you're there going, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> now what? But speaking speaking of decisions,
2: uh, whether to run or not run, I mean, do you think Joe Biden actually runs again? I mean, there's a lot of discussion about that now. He doesn't have as, you know, we thought there'd be a lot of shine off his penny after these midterms, but the one silver lining is old Joe might actually do it again.
0: Yeah, well, it looks I, like he's planning on it. I, I Look, you know what my big indicator is that he's going to run? I always thought he wouldn't. Up until the midterms, I thought he would not run again. But I, I read in the last two weeks that the next DNC meeting is in late January, early February in Philadelphia.
3: Humped mm. down. He's running. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And, and my guess is he's going to announce right there.
3: It could be. It could very well That's my well
0: guess. Be. If Philly... Because, fe- of course, it's not your choice. everybody choice. wants to go to Philly in February, right? <laughs> and it's yeah. really, really great. It's a great idea. you know <laughs> What about Buffalo? Uh, why not? right I mean, so if you're picking Philly in February, and you got to believe the White House made that choice, they're calling the DNC and telling them where they want the meeting to be. I read those tea leaves to say Joe Biden's going to show up absent something really bad happening to him, that he's going to show up in Philly in February, and he's going to announce for president. And I think it's going to be the best thing that could have ever happened to our party. No, I totally yeah. agree. The best thing. Because I don't know who their nominee would be if it wasn't him, but let's take him. Let's take him. I'll take I, him. I, listen, I'll sign I up for that right now. I, I, well, I'll okay. sign up for debate number one, September 29th, 2024, to be standing on the stage across from Joe Biden.
3: <laughs> well, that's sign my last up. question. My last question up. is, what is your process? What I mean, I, other, design, other than your, I'll your, decide in the
0: spring. I look. I'm the mystery about the fact that I'm I'm seriously thinking about it. But I also know that, I, and I remember for 15 that a lot of the stuff that we did really early was like like old like pretending motion is progress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like people don't remember, they don't know, and 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 all you're doing is playing to a very 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 small group of activists mm-hmm. in in two states, maybe three, and we did a little time in South Carolina, but. And, and I don't think that, you know, and most of that is done to get yourself well known. I don't have that problem yeah. anymore. I mean, there's not, if I announce for president in the spring, no one's going to go, who? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to, oh, him? Oh, <laughs> well, he's doing it. Oh, he's doing it. Okay. So I don't think I have to rush. Um, I think both from a, from a political strategic perspective um, and from an experience perspective, there's no reason to rush. So my process is pretty simple. One, do I see a path? to winning because I have absolutely no interest in doing this for the experience. Mm-hmm. I've had the experience. It was great in some respects and not so great in others, but I've had it. So I don't need to say, oh, God, I always wanted to run for president. I should give it a shot. I've done that. So I got to see a path. Um, second, I got to believe that where we are as a country at that moment, that I believe that my skills are the ones that, that can help to solve some of those problems. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going there just to be president and to live in public housing. Mm-hmm. Like I want to actually solve something. Yeah. And I think that's a governor's mentality a bit, executive mentality. I think so. That's what I want to do. And then third, my family, some of which you've the, met.
3: The, the absolutely lovely Mary Pat, yes. who is a, a friend of the program, and gosh, we couldn't get enough of her in us wait. wait listen,
0: I just have to tell you that when, after we left Vegas, and you guys brought her up on the next program. <laughs> yeah. She clipped it and sent it in the family group chat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. She was like, the guys mentioned me today on the podcast. And my kids were like, oh, my God.
1: And, and, and pretty much the only hands of blackjack I won were with her advice. She was like, oh, yeah. you want to take a hit now. Yeah.
3: All right,
0: cool. <laughs> she's, she's a shark, I'm telling you. So that's factor three. Factor three is, is looking at the five of them, our four kids and Mary Patton, saying, all right. If I decide I want to do this, or I decide I don't want to do it, and gut check it with them and say, like oh, what do you really think? Yeah, what do you really think?" And the only one who could veto it would be Mary Pat. Um, the kids complained the last time, at least some of them did, um, and they complained when I decided to run for governor. My my daughter, who's now twenty six, who at the time that was like in two thousand eight, so she was twelve. We were away on a vacation uh, in December. Um, we went down to the Caribbean after I left the U.S. attorney's job, and. Mary Pat and I decided over that time. Okay, I'm going to run, and um, so I took each of the kids out of the pool one at a time to tell them. And so by then, twelve uh, year old daughter came. Sarah came out of the pool. I said, "Sarah, I just want to let you know, mom and dad talked about it, and you know that we've been thinking about this. But dad's decided that when we get back, I'm going to announce I'm running for governor." And she looked at me. She goes, "Okay, dad." Thanks for ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> and she turned around and jumped back into the pool. <laughs> and that was it. Like, thanks for ruining my life. I'm like, okay. Hey, well, hey, that hey, went well, didn't hey. it? I looked at Mary Pratt and I go, well, three out of four. We did okay. You know? The others were like, all right, you know, okay. But none of them were enthusiastic about it. So you never expect your kids to be enthusiastic. It's like what I did, dad dancing on uh, on Jimmy Fallon. You know, and it got like, I don't know, like two million YouTube The only ones watches. who didn't love it were your kids. Well, my kids were, three of the four were there in the studio <laughs> at, at The Tonight Show. Yeah. And, and when we, when I got, when I got a couple weeks out from it, I was talking to my oldest son and I, and he said, I can't believe you did that to me. So <laughs> I just can't believe you did it. And I said, by the way, jerk. I said I got two million hits so far on YouTube. He goes, "Well, anybody as famous as you makes jerk themselves on television can get two million hits for anything." <laughs> so you Brudal. know, Brudal. There, is a, there is a tough assessment. There is a Rough r- crowd. There is a, a an honest warmth. Yes, that's inside right. the Christie family. Where when I, when I go to them to say, "Okay, we got to make a decision here." Here's what I'm thinking. I have no doubt that I will get candid reaction <laughs> yeah. from my children, um, and then will and, and, and but they won't have veto rights. The only one who has veto rights is Mary Pat, um, and and I think you know the. I my guess is that she'll take the fuss. She took what I said I was thinking about running for governor, and she said to me, "All right, let me ask you this." She said, "I don't care whether you run or not. I really don't. Um, it's your decision on this one. But if you decide not to run, you have to tell me." that you will never have any regret, that you have totally ah, covered. Yeah, there's a wife she, because I, she goes, I don't want to be sitting in the backyard next summer when the race is going on, and here you say, I could have run, I could have mm. won, I should have done. If, if you're going to say could have, would have, should have, I have no interest in being married to a man filled with regret. Oh, oh, that's awesome. She goes, so if you decide no, that's cool, but it better be no forever. Done, mm. done. And I was like, well, well I guess like, I'm going. I'm like, there's no shot of that, so I guess I'm running. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I'm and and but I think she'll take the. I think she'll take the same approach. You know, I, I turned sixty this year. Um, we're at a different phase of our life than we were the last time, even. Um, and and I think she'll say to me, "Look, if if this is something you feel like you've answered those first two questions." okay for you, then, all right. Well, listen,
3: America deserves Chris Christie on a debate stage again. I'll just say it for all of us. 100%. I, we have to see it. Uh, I hope that's the conclusion you come to because it's always a little bit brighter under there. The lights are a little hotter when Christie's it's, standing next it's, to you. So it's, and, and, and I
0: would say, someone asked me recently about, like, did you get nervous up there? And I'm like, no. And they said, why not? And I said, because it's fun. Like, And I do think that we've lost a little bit of that. I think yeah. that's what you're talking about. I think yeah. we have lost the fun in politics. Yeah. And I think that one the candidate who will do better I don't know about winning, but the candidate who'll do better in in the next next run will be the one who shows a little bit of joy.
3: Totally. Well Trump did in sixteen. Yeah. And right. I th-
0: yeah, and I think that the candidates, you know, candidates, and I think that's why in 20 he wasn't as popular because he was angry and he was embittered in- and he was getting picked on. And, I, and and no matter whether that's right or wrong, if you're a billionaire with a gorgeous wife who's president of the United States, no one wants to hear you complaining. Okay? I like, mean, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Like,
3: you know how bad my life is, how terrible my life is. Even and, when he was mixing up a new batch of coronavirus for you, yeah, That's exactly right. <laughs> Even then... Even when he
0: was giving me COVID, when there was no vaccine and no treatment. And let's be honest, I had a few comorbidities.
3: Even then, you got to show a little joy, you know, a little happiness. I love it. Listen, you're always welcome back here on the Variety Program. Thank you for joining us today. I hope we can do it again soon. We can. Riding along is always fun with you, fellas. Thanks for having me. Love it. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much, Governor, and thank you so much to our listeners. I love seeing uh, our listener numbers keep growing. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.